hello again, and welcome to another installment of The Christ Life. We, we absolutely love uh, uh, Jesus, and we love one another because we love the Lord Jesus. It's just uh, it's an amazing thing. And then we get a chance to come and share with you, uh, come, or at least we come into this room, and we make these recordings with a sure and certain knowledge that somebody somewhere is on the other end of this and that we share this relationship and this excitement that we have about the Spirit of God and specifically about the fact that Christ is alive and well and he's operating on planet Earth and that his means of operation on planet Earth is through Holy Spirit-empowered disciples. And that's what we intend to be. That's what we hope for you as well and that you intend to be. And so that's really the re the reason uh, for these training times is that we become aware of, uh, energized by the truth of God's living presence and the provision of how he operates in our life. And right now we're in a series that we are calling the Pentecostal lifestyle. It just happens to be the, the time when we go between Easter, the Passover celebration, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. These were uh, festivals that the Jewish people would uh, would come to Jerusalem for. So we'll, we'll talk about those as we go this week and then next week as well. But uh, it's, it's this powerful way that God makes himself known. And, and there's the beauty. The last time that we talked uh, in our last session, we asked you to take the time sometime during the week uh, to look through one of the Gospels and then look through the book of Acts with the specific idea that you would look for powerful demonstrations of God and His presence and, and, and how they then uh, bring Jesus, for example, from pretty much obscurity over a short period of time to uh, some level of at least renown within uh, Jerusalem and certainly in Jerusalem and actually in most of Israel. He was well known. In fact, outside of Israel, when he would go to places or that he would take the disciples places, there were people who would track him down and follow him. And so this level of notoriety was not the result of a uh, a social media campaign. This was not the result of some intentional spreading of the word. Uh, it was really the result of a miraculous demonstration of God's living power and presence, the authority of the eternal God, the fact that God was actually alive and well. And so as we examine today's message, we want to take you into the idea that there is a way that God proves himself and approves of himself, if you will, shows himself to humankind, and it's always been by the manifestation of Holy Spirit power. Uh, all of the prophets of old, the various ones that you will read, the stories of the heroes of old, whether it's Daniel or David or Samson or just take your pick from a laundry list, uh, these were people who, in their day and time, experienced a, an empowerment that came to them from the Holy Spirit. They were Pentecostally empowered mm. to live the lifestyle that they lived. And that's what we're uh, sharing with you today and sharing with you in this series. And so uh, today we want to talk to you about the power of Pentecost. We, we actually dabble with the idea of the proof mm. of Pentecost, but the proof of God's 
presence with us is his power on our behalf, his power on his own behalf to make himself known. There's the beauty of God is that he has always been willing to make himself known. And so today we want to take you to the scripture in Acts chapter 2. If you did the assignment last week, then you've already probably read this. But in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I I want you to capture this because this is not just uh, this quiet, well, we're going to get together, we're all going to hum the same mantra. Uh, We're going to, you know, the the dawning of the age of Aquarius, when we all say the right thing or believe the right thing or sing the right thing, that there's going to be this wonderful peace will invade the planet and joy will be all around. This is a scene of tremendous activity. And it's a and it's a kind of a 3D and cinemascope multi-sensory experience. There's this noise, this sound of a rushing mighty wind. I, I've lived in my lifetime uh, in places where tornadoes are a reality. And, and uh, we actually had a tornado one time when we were living in Springfield, Missouri, that passed through the night season over top of our house. I mean, it was not, it it didn't damage our home. It didn't damage homes around us. But I remember sitting bolt upright in bed at like three o'clock in the morning. And I heard this massive, it sounded like a train. And literally the whole house was kind of rattling and shaking. But the noise of it was approaching from the the south and then passed over us from south to north. And I, I remember the sound because this was, they heard the sound of this rushing mighty wind. And then, and it, it literally, they say, it says here that it, it filled the house where they're sitting. It was, it was pervasive. It was invasive. This was not quiet. This was big. This was in your face bold. And then to top this off, these, this ball of fire sweeps into the room, this moving fire. And the fire chases them each one, 120 people, and they can't get away from the fire because the fire actually divides itself and sits upon, rests upon each of them. And they were enabled to then speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that there are some people who will just, and, and you know, and it's not wrong to say that the result of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that you will be able to speak with other tongues. That's true. But the real proof of this Pentecostal relationship is the power that God brings into our lives from this point forward. And this is what we're going to talk to you about today. So many people, they, they tend to put their belief or lack of belief in an event. And as we kind of move towards this power of Pentecost and, the, and really living in a dynamic where the power of Pentecost is a reality in each of our lives, you kind of have to take a step back and not put your belief system in the event but in the person who created the event, the God who created the event. And so when in our connect point where we really want to start off today is that is this understanding that God is both relational and revelational. He's both relational and revelational. And this is what is transpiring uh, in a very profound way in the scripture that we just read. Uh, you, most people would say, yes, you know, 
Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And first and foremost, God is a God of relationship. The, the story of redemption really starts out with God being in relationship with Adam and Eve. God, and it's important we all understand this about God, God longs to be known. He, he longs to be in this place where there is this intimate relationship. Years ago, I heard um, a great definition of intimacy and relationship is, is simply into me see. God wants us to see into him. He, he wants to be known uh, uh, throughout who he is. And, and so you see early on in scripture, well, that's kind of where it starts. But then, then because of man's decision, that begins to separate one of the things that always amazed me in the book of Genesis, if you at some point want to go back and just, just chronicle this, is how early on in, in Genesis, you really see God still uh, relationally attempting to connect to people. He's, he, he's in relationship and he walks with Enoch and Enoch's no more. He comes to Noah. He comes to Abraham. But over time, that him coming to people in that manner begins to dissipate and God begins to make himself known and his the reality of him being a God through the revelation, not the relationship. He begins to to show his power. Revelation very simply is a uh, making something known. It's a it really is to show. And so what you find is that God reveals himself to Moses as he's walking along and he says, wait a minute, here's this bush that's on fire but it's not being consumed. I've got to turn and I've got to give attention to this. Now, that's important because it's how God ultimately moves people toward relationship because it's there at the burning bush where God tells Moses, take his sandals off, the ground in your eyes holy. And they begin this dialogue. They begin this relationship there. But then you find that yet God reveals himself to the people of Israel as they've come out of Egypt, fire by uh, night and cloud by day, he's revealing himself as this great and mighty protector. And, and then you find that uh, as they move to the sea, the wind of God, the, the power of God demonstrated in the wind dries the ground so they might walk on dry ground and ultimately be saved. So God demonstrates his, his he reveals himself as having the power to save. And then you get into a very interesting part of Job where there might be this kind of mix between the relationship and the revelation. God shows up in a whirlwind. He speaks out of a whirlwind. It's hard to imagine what that had to have been like for uh, for Job. Uh, but, you know, God, again, is making himself known. And then, then you find that with Elijah, uh, there you have the northern tribes of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel that have, you know, totally moved into wickedness, serving Baal and doing all sorts of things that are uh, as far away as you can get from God and, f and yet moving further away. And they meet uh, at Mount Carmel and, uh, and Elijah basically says, hey, you're going to know that the God that is uh, the two, true God of heaven uh, will make himself known to you. But before, all the prophets of Baal, they're doing their thing. They're trying to conjure up and getting, the, getting Baal to reveal himself. Well, when it's when it's God's turn to reveal himself, Elijah, you know, he takes and he just covers it with water and makes it so it makes it really hard for any spark to light anything. And then all of a sudden, the fire of God falls and consumes the sacrifice and the water. I mean, he just he consumes it all. He reveals himself and people then turn and say, yes, he is the one and the true God. This, it was an, an attention getter for all the people. But along with that, here's what happened. All of a sudden, Elijah had authority. 
He, he, he said, kill all, kill all the prophets of Baal. Kill, kill them all. Get rid of them. And because God revealed himself powerfully, it gave a platform for Elijah to turn people toward a place where they were facing the one and the true God. Now, you fast forward all that to the day of Pentecost, where you have the wind and you have the fire. Uh, certainly, it got the attention of, of the, the people who were up in the upper room. And we talked a little bit about this, and we, we don't know who else in Jerusalem heard the wind or saw anything in regards to the wind and the fire. But for them, they knew God was showing up. He was showing up powerfully because for them, the stories of Moses, the stories of Elijah, the stories of Job, that was very well known. That was a normal part of their life. And boom, here God shows up on, on scene. And that, like you said, it was this wind uh, that there was there was a sound from heaven like a wind that came in. God's there. He's going to make himself known. The fire comes. God's going to make himself known. He, and, the, and then they begin to speak in other tongues. Why is God doing all of this? Well, he does all of this because he wants them and us to recognize that we're able to see so they can see. It's, it begins this process where now God, we know that God is there upon us so then he can be made known through us. And that's where, you know, I know that that's really where they say that the church started. You know, I think this church actually started all the way back at Abraham, but certainly the church was going on when they were in a prayer meeting. Um, but ultimately, God was making a point that he has arrived in their life. And the beauty of the power of Pentecost uh, is that God is arriving in your life. He's arriving in our life so that ultimately he might uh, reveal himself through us to other people so that the attention can be gotten. Why? So ultimately they can then move into a place of relationship. And that's the beauty of what uh, the God that we serve. So it's not, it's not so much about the event. It's about the God who is relational and revelational. That's a that's a powerful word because this is who God is. He's mm. he sets us up for success. The miracles are not um, that that God does and still does. He did on the day of Pentecost. This, make no mistake. This is a a powerful visual, uh, visceral. They felt it inside. It was audible. Uh, they they spoke in languages they had never learned, and and we'll get into this next week. People understood these languages; and they were impacted by this. So this was not a hidden thing. This was not just a faith thing. This was a very real, very powerful, very public thing. But it's it's the nature of God to do that because. He's relational. When he wanted to make a friend in humankind, he actually formed mankind in his own image and breathed his own spirit into humankind so that, the, that we would have a relationship with him. And when we failed in that relationship and separated ourselves because of our sins, then he reveals himself in spite of that. He reveals himself not just as creator, but now redeemer and savior. And, and the one who's going to make the pathway for us to get back. And that's the story of God all throughout the ages. And so what does this God who is relational and revelational want for us? What's the, what's the grow piece here? How do, we, how do we actually take this in and begin to learn of this? Uh, we, well, we, we come to know him. We respond to the revelation uh, that he's relational 
by establishing a relationship with him. We trust him. We, we put faith in him. And we then seek out of that platform of knowing him to make him known. He, he puts us in the place, just as Rich said, where we see so that others around us can see what we see. We say what we see. We speak about what God is saying and doing. And this is the Christ life principle. This is the principle of how it operates. God's active. He's, he's alive. He's moving in the world today, but he's doing it in view, full view of Holy Spirit empowered disciples who then can speak with the power and the authority of the Lord, just like they did on the day of Pentecost. And so uh, this idea of knowing God and making him known uh, is, is that God is providing proof, and that proof of his existence is kind of a platform for us to tell not just what he did in the past, but to speak about what he's doing right now, what he's going to do in the future, and more importantly, in fact, most importantly, to open the door of, uh, on the basis of this revelation, we open the door of relationship to everybody who listens to us. And there's the beauty of it. Every, every time God shows up in a powerful way, it provides us a platform to be able to uh, ask others to come into the faith to invite others into this partnership, because that's really what it is. It is a partnership where we work and God works. We don't work for the Lord and hope everything's good. We don't just sit back and fold our hands and say, well, the Lord will have to work for us. If it's going to happen, it's up to God. Uh, it's a partnership. God works and we work with him. This miracle of speaking in other tongues that they participated in, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, but they spoke. Make no mistake, you know, if they wanted to whisper, they would whisper. If they wanted to sing, they would sing. If they wanted to shout and be loud and warble, they could be loud and warble. Mm -hmm. But the Spirit of the Lord was providing them utterance. And so uh, every powerful revelational event that God performs in the world, He does in and through people that are anointed of God to participate with Him, partner with Him, mm -hmm. Holy Spirit-empowered disciples. And we, we do this by faith. It is a partnership. God does his part. I do my part. Uh, the, Peter walked on the water. And, you know, again, we, we look at that and we think, wow, that was a big deal. It was a, certainly a big deal in Peter's life. When you read that story in the Gospels, uh, even though he started to sink at one point because he got overwhelmed by what he was doing, he, he kind of overanalyzed the situation. It's like, I'm in the middle of the lake. People don't walk on water, although Jesus was and Peter was. But it's like, yeah, I know, I'm not sure I can believe that. Whoop, and he begins to sink. But he cries out to the Lord. Now, before you overplay this, like, wow, what an amazing thing Peter did. I want you to capture this. Peter did nothing on the water in the middle of the sea that he could not have done any other day of his life. Mm -hmm. If Jesus was 15 feet away from the boat and the boat was parked on the shore and Jesus said, Peter, come. Peter would have jumped out of the boat, walked across the sand, and never missed a beat. He did nothing in the middle of the sea that he could not do. The miracle is not that he walked. It is where he walked. Mm -hmm. The miracle of speaking in tongues is not that you speak. It's what you say. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit gives us this utterance. And so there is this process by which they operated, but it's also how we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And we need to understand this. This process is we receive this revelation from God and we respond relationally. We He shows us what he's doing. And so we participate in what he's doing. And we don't take credit for it. We give God the credit for it. Right. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. We're excited about this. Why? Because we belong to him. And this God who will do this has already done all these other things, and he's going to do all these other things. And you ought to join him, and you ought to join us. And so this is our opportunity and how we then grow into this. And that sort of sets the stage for then how we go into all the world. I think a big part of what you said, even with the description of Peter, um, is is in the scripture. Uh, Peter walked on the water because the Lord enabled him. We are able to speak in other tongues because the Lord enables us. And so ultimately, uh, the the result or the product of this is that that we begin to live in two worlds. We begin to live in the world that, you know, we can see, feel, and, and taste, and touch, and hear. Uh, but simultaneously, we recognize that there is a world that is beyond uh, what we can see. Um, and in some cases, uh, you know, the Lord in history has revealed, have has kind of taken apart the, the the natural vision so people could see into and be have the spiritual realm revealed. But what the what happens at the day of Pentecost is now we really begin to live and operate um, in these two worlds as the Spirit enables us. Uh, and I think uh, that's really just a big key for us uh, in, in both the grow and the go part. Because what happens when we begin to go, okay, my foot is on this earth, but God has now enabled me to walk in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Now my mind can is just, it recognizes the world that's around me, but my, but the Lord enables me to let my mind be on the things of the spirit. My body may be healthy, but the spirit enables me to have a strength to overcome uh, the things that are of this world or put to death the things that are in my life. We, we have goals and we have visions, you know, of what we want, things and dreams. But, but all of a sudden now we yield and recognize that there is one that is better sighted than we are. So we yield to that. We say, I'm not going to just live in this world and, uh, or, or even in the place of understanding. I can, uh, I can go after and I love to learn. I've got the teacher's gift. I'm going to constantly gather and, and, and dish out. But the fact is, is that true understanding isn't of this world. It's of the spirit. It's of the God who is, is greater than the things that we can see. And so uh, I now then can begin to live in both of these worlds. So what happens is, is when I begin to pray in tongues as the spirit enables me, I'm being reminded that God has revealed things to me so that now I can begin to reveal what God is revealing. I want to quickly just finish with three things on the, the uh, really on tongues that really bring a wow factor uh, to, the, to the power. Uh, because in scripture, there are really three areas that you really see tongues. And I want to end with uh, Acts chapter two. Paul talks about tongues and he, he prays in tongues more than, than, than all, but uh, at least at that time. I'll throw that in there because that's that scriptural thing on there. Uh, but, but he speaks in tongue uh, more, more than those that he was writing to uh, because he understood that, that, that as the Spirit enables us to speak in tongues, there is a, there's an edification that happens in ourself. We are built up on the inside uh, in, a, in a number of areas, but not the least, to recognize that there is a miracle taking place in my life. So now a miracle can take place through my life. There is the, 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 
the speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues, that is a miraculous thing that God is making himself known within the body of Christ to, to better facilitate his love. Uh, Paul also says that the tongues are for the, the non-believer. So in the non-believer can be just one that doesn't believe in that dynamic of God's power to a person that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. In both cases, God is revealing himself so we can move into a, in a place and a dynamic of relationship. And certainly, that's what happened in public. And I don't want you to miss this. We have privatized all of our Christianity. Acts chapter 2 is about as public as you can get. They spoke in tongues, and people stopped and went, wow, they're speaking in my language. They don't know. They don't know Arabic. They don't know, you know, they don't know whatever language it was. But I got to stop and take pause. But what did they hear? They heard them glorifying the God in heaven because God was making himself known powerfully in a wow way so that ultimately people might move into relationships. So I, I think that for each of us this week, it's good to step back and say, okay, Lord, am I living in two worlds? I think, I think it's, it's good to ask that question bef before the Lord. And then if, if you've not moved into the dynamic of speaking in other tongues, ask the Lord, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can speak in, in other tongues and let him don't let your education, don't let what you've heard in the past, don't let your, your belief system, let God enable you to move into that dynamic. And if that's, a, if that's something that you've moved into, don't just leave it with an event. Make it a regular part of your life. Tell someone around you that you're going to begin to let Lord enable you every day for a period of time. You really want to get bold? Go with a friend out in public where there are a bunch of people milling around. Begin to speak in other tongues and see what God will do. Amen. <laughs> Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to understand you as mm. you really are, real, relational, creating us to know you, and willing to show yourself, willing to reveal to us, willing in every way, on every day, among everyone that we walk with, to show yourself strong on our behalf. Thank you for that, Lord God. We pray that you'll do that for each and every one in our circles of relationship this week, in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.